Hello and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard. And uh, before I begin the broadcast, I just want to give you a quick word. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head on to thrivingonpurpose.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter and stay up to date with all of our news updates and even get store discounts. This will enable you to follow our ministry despite all the censorship. And while you're at it, make sure you check out our unique kingdom, patriot, remnant, and entrepreneurial merch, jewelry, and apparel, which I am wearing right now, as you can see, beautiful cap and beautiful t-shirt, kingdom patriot. So if you feel led to partner with this teaching ministry or to sow a seed in our ministry, you can do so on our website by clicking the give button. Now, I have taken with this little intro far too much of your precious time let's get on with this week uh, this week's teaching which will be based on kingdom fundamentals we are going to take a journey through the book it's going to be a teaching journey through the book i wrote kingdom fundamentals it's on your it's on your your screen right there uh, if you haven't purchased it i encourage you to get your copy it's going to definitely bless you it's a um uh, it's an incredible life-changing book that is going to give you a whole new perspective on what Jesus was, um, was teaching while he was on the earth, what he was trying to impart on the disciples, on the apostles. So make sure you get your hands on that wonderful book. But in the meantime, you can watch these amazing teaching videos that I'm going to do every week, and they are free. I want them to stay free. I want them to be on YouTube. I want them to be on Rumble, uh, on as many platforms as possible, because I believe that the kingdom message needs to be preached in this day and age. So you will notice as I enter, as I delve into the book, I'm going to be reading the book. I'm going to be reading the book. Yes, you're going to see me reading on the screen. Uh, I'm going to try to be as entertaining as possible. Uh, I don't want to be boring. I don't want to bore you because I'm reading a book. But it, I am, after all, the author, so it's, it shouldn't be too boring. I'm going to give my own little two cents here and there as I go because it's going to remind me of stuff because when you're writing the book and then you're reading it, it reminds you of how you felt when you wrote this or, or when you learned a certain, um, a certain truth and you were putting it on paper, how you felt and all that. So I'm going to share stuff along, uh, along the way that uh, – you wouldn't get from an audiobook, obviously. But also, as, I, as I'm doing this method, I'm reminded of who I am. Um, there was a, uh, a quote I saw recently that really reminded me, like really made me think, this is who I am. This is how I do things. I remember seeing, uh, it was T.D. Jakes who was preaching once, and, and we know T.D. Jakes has a really good gift uh, as an orator, as a, as a preacher. And he was kind of like deploring the fact that some preachers get on a platform and they use notes. And I felt a little bit ruffled when he said that because that's who I am. I mean, if I get on a platform to preach, I'm going to use notes. I read some notes. I, I make good use of them. But he was saying, he was basically saying, why do you need notes? These are your thoughts. You're just expressing your thoughts. So why not express them just as you are. So he was kind of like decrying the fact that some preachers use notes. But then I read this amazing quote by C.S. Lewis that I want to share with you guys before I get started. The quote, he said this, C.S. Lewis, he says, he was talking about his writing. He says, first, I do not sit down at my desk to put into verse something that is already clear in my mind. If it were clear in my mind, I should have no incentive or need to write about it. We do not write in order to be understood. We write in order to understand. And I can say that as someone with a scribe anointing, as someone who is a gifted writer, I'm not perfect. I'm not, I'm not the best writer you'll ever read, but I, I consider that God has given me a gift to write. I am a better writer than I'm a teacher. And for those of you who've been watching these broadcasts or listening to me for a while now, you might have gathered this, especially if you've bought uh, one or two of my books. You might have seen that I, I kind of, I write better than I talk. I write better than I talk. You know what I'm saying? I write better than I talk. So, uh, and, and it is a fact. 
And my thoughts are better expressed on paper than they are in front of a screen, in front of an audience. But all this to say that the reason I wanted to do, I wanted to do this uh, teaching series on Kingdom Fundamentals using the book as a template, using the book and reading through the book for you guys is because number one, I want to, I want you to uh, benefit from this incredible content that the Lord gave uh, me as I wrote this book. It was uh, revelatory for me. It's revelatory for those who've, re who've read it. And it will be revelatory as I teach it on this platform as well. Uh, so that's that's the first thing, uh, first and foremost. And uh, I really wanted to be thorough as well. I really wanted to make sure I didn't uh, forget anything as I taught, that I really got all the best uh, out of the book that I possibly could. And, and also, and like C.S. Lewis, I'm just uh, a writer before I am a teacher. So that's just the way it is. Now, without any further ado, I want to begin uh, with this amazing content tonight. If ever I have other thoughts that cross my mind as I'm reading, uh, you, you, you can be sure I'm going to share my thoughts with you. Uh, so I hope you, uh, you really get blessed through this content. This is going to be a long series. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun for me. Uh, I'm happy to be diving in the book because I, I know that its content is life changing. It was for me and, uh, I always, write what changed me first before I share it with others. So you'll really benefit from this. So uh, this is the first, uh, I guess you could call it a module or um, part one, I guess. So uh, the, the series is about, of, of course, the book, Kingdom Fundamentals, Understanding the Kingdom of God. That's what I titled it for YouTube, Understanding the Kingdom of God. And number one, we're going to talk about the introduction, the preface, uh, first, the preface, then the introduction. It's a primer. So what is a primer? Well, you know, when you're painting your house, you're going to put a first coat of paint. Usually it's a, it's not a, a finishing paint. It's kind of like a cheaper kind of a little bit more pasty paint that really serves to cover, uh, to do a, a rough covering of all the bases, if you will, before you put that fin those finishing touches. So that's what I titled it. So this is from the preface. The reason I wrote Kingdom Fundamentals is quite simple. As a believer, when I was taught about the kingdom of God and how it operates in the earth realm, it literally changed my life. This knowledge ignited my walk with God and my faith to such a degree that I knew the kingdom, the message of the kingdom was not only needed for the church at this time, but absolutely crucial. Someone once said uh, that religion is like a playpen. It is made to keep us safe until we can climb over the bars and explore God's truth on our own. The message of the kingdom does this. It enables believers to climb over the bars of religion and experience the full power and glory of God's kingdom truth here and now. We are living in unprecedented times. We may very possibly be the final generation before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. And which is more, Jesus told us that in the final days of mankind, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This is from Matthew 24, 14. He also said, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This is from Luke 18, 8. In the Greek, this passage contains an article before the word faith. So it should read, Will he really find the faith on the earth? So what is implied here is that Jesus was asking, will I find the right kind of faith or will I find the right kind of believer? Dear friend, I believe that his long-awaited return has been postponed by us, by his church. By the time the New Testament church was in its infancy, after the death of the apostles, the early Christians had undergone so much trouble and persecution with the kingdom of God message that they slowly began abandoning the use of the term itself. 
Indeed, after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman armies in 70 AD, the preaching of the kingdom started to change and morph into the more widely accepted message of salvation and making heaven that has now permeated our theology and religion. I believe that for centuries, we, the church, have dropped the ball and have not preached the full gospel of the kingdom, which was Jesus's intention from the get-go. If we had, we might have sped up his return and avoided much of the struggles experienced throughout human history. But this, be mindful, is merely conjecture. Better late than never. My first brush with the kingdom teachings, with his kingdom teachings, came from a teaching series called... <laughs> okay. My first uh, brush with the kingdom teachings came from a teaching series called Rediscovering the Kingdom. Uh, it was the, the, the teaching of Miles Monroe. It spanned over 40 sermons all about the kingdom, how it operates and our place in it. When I listened to this series by Miles Monroe, the series titled Rediscovering the Kingdom, it changed my life. And at the time, I had been a Christian for over 30 years, and yet it changed my life. It shifted my identity from Christian to kingdom citizen and son of the king. The message of the kingdom, when properly, when properly taught and understood, can do that. No matter how long you've been a believer. In fact, I tend not to call myself a Christian anymore. I now consider myself a kingdom citizen and a child, a child of the Most High God. The true gospel of the kingdom helps us to clarify and redefine our identity as believers. It blesses us and corrects many misconceptions that we may have about God, the scriptures, the gospel, our world, and ourselves. It shifts our thinking back into alignment through proper thinking, perspective, and understanding. In short, no matter how long you've been a believer, it will change your life if you've never heard it before. The message of the kingdom is a transformative one. Now, since the passing of Dr. Miles Monroe in 2014, the message of the kingdom has been steadily spreading more and more. This gospel of the kingdom is being preached throughout the world on many different platforms, through many different people. It is becoming known and experienced by a growing number of believers. As a, res as a result, we are gradually witnessing a worldwide revival and another great awakening is definitely definitely brewing. I believe this to be the final great awakening. Indeed, I believe this is the Holy Spirit's greatest move yet on our behalf, and that the uh, and that the message will reach the con the confines of the earth finally. And then, yes, just like Jesus said in Matthew twenty four fourteen, then the end will come. So at this point, I would like to define fundamentals, because after all, I did call the book Kingdom Fundamentals. I'm just going to have a little bit of water. All right. So like me, my wife, Elizabeth, greatly benefited from the kingdom message. So it was no surprise, uh, no surprise when we discussed the writing of this book and what we should call it. So we were talking about that. I remember, I even remember seeing her and looking at her. I remember where we were in the house. And she said, since you're teaching the basics about the kingdom in the book, why don't you call it kingdom fundamentals? And just like that, a book concept was born. But what exactly is meant here by a fundamental? Well, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines fundamentals as follows. General or basic truths on which other truths or theories can be based. It also gives us the following synonyms. The ABCs, the alphabet, basics, 
elements, essentials, the grammar, principles, or rudiments. Rudiments? Rudiments? Don't forget, I'm French, right? So the word fundamentals also comes from the French root word fondation, which means, you guessed it, foundation. So a fundamental is something upon which we can build up. It's a foundation. Therefore, kingdom fundamentals are foundational truths upon which you can build your faith and understanding of God's kingdom. Those fundamentals, or uh, I mean, those fundamentals are the ABCs or the building blocks of the good news of the kingdom. Actually, there is so much information provided here in the book that you'll get more than just the ABCs. You'll get the DEFs and maybe even the GHIs as well. In writing this book, my goal was simple. Equip believers with the necessary knowledge of the kingdom of God to correct their thinking, beliefs, and improve their lives. In turn, this will equip them better to preach the gospel of the kingdom and spread its message over the earth and hopefully hasten his return in the process. Now, the subtitle of this book says it all. Kingdom Fundamentals is about what the kingdom of God means and what it means for you. Or, as a clever friend of mine wrote on social media once, referring to the New Jerusalem, he wrote, Step 1. Know that there is a literal 1,500 miles squared kingdom above your head. And step number two, find out how that relates to you. I sincerely hope Kingdom Fundamentals fulfills its mission statement. I hope it blesses and transform, transforms you like it has me. I hope it enhances your life and that it makes you bold in proclaiming the full gospel that Jesus Christ came to bring, the gospel of the kingdom of God. If this book or this teaching series is successful in fulfilling its mission, more than ever, we will be shouting in unison, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, just as it says in Revelation 22, 20. Now, this covers the preface of the book. I will now begin reading to you from the introduction of the book. So, introduction, I began with a quote by Walter Rochenbosch. I probably massacred that name. Sorry, Walter. But I like what he said. The kingdom of God is not a matter of getting individuals to heaven, but of transforming the life of earth into the harmony of heaven. Introducing people, even seasoned believers, to the kingdom of God is no small task. The kingdom is many things to many people. It is so vast, so simple, and yet so complex that I need to do so in a way that it will really set the tone for the rest of this book, this teaching. The simplicity of the kingdom requires us to be like a small child, trusting, believing, and open-minded. And yet, the complexity of the message of the kingdom requires us to relearn much of what we have learned as adults. It requires fresh revelation and understanding. The introduction to Kingdom Fundamentals is perhaps a bit longer, a bit of a longer read or a bit of a longer teaching than you would expect from a typical book intro. Keep this in mind as you read this lengthy but important introduction into this equally complex and wonderful subject. Now I'm going to share with you guys my first steps into the kingdom. All of those who would be forgiven of their sins, it's possible. Don't delay. Receive Jesus Christ today. With those urgency-flavored words, the pastor of our church launched an irresistible invitation that would forever change my life. It was 1983, and I was just nine years old. 
He then added, if you want God to forgive you of your sins, and if you believe in your heart that Jesus sacrificed himself for you and then rose from the, day, from the dead three days later, I invite you to come forward. Come and join me and we'll pray for you. As a shy nine-year-old, walking to the front of a filled church was not on my agenda that Sunday. But God was calling me lovingly, powerfully, and irresistibly. Although just a youth, my life hadn't been easy, and he was calling me to himself to so much more. You should know that I came from a poor and broken household. I've shared, I've shared that with you guys on the broadcast many times. I had experienced multiple moves, and I had, li I had lived my young life at times raised by my parents, who divorced twice, and my grandparents. So this invitation to have a relationship with a loving God was irresistible to a kid like me. He was an anchor, and I needed stability. So regardless of my shyness, I walked all the way to the front without my parents. My dad later confided that it happened so fast he hardly had any time to notice. He, had, he didn't have any time to notice me getting out of my seat. And then the pastor, seeing my young age, Probed, probed me by asking a very simple question. He asked, do you really understand what I said today and what you're doing right now? I said, yes. I was very sincere. Well, in hindsight, I realized I didn't fully understand. And let's be honest, no one really does. I didn't really understand much of it at all. Like all of those who come to Christ, we have only an inkling of understanding about God's greatness and his unfathomable power, wisdom, and love. The truth is, I'm still learning about what happened that day. In truth, we can never, ever reach the end of knowing God and his word. Thirty lifetimes would not suffice. He is unfathomable, and so, his, so is his word. Nevertheless, we can know more of him every day if we are intentional about it. This book, dear friends, is about what I didn't understand back then and for the following 30 years of my walk with Christ. It is also about what we all desperately need to understand, the kingdom of God. This book is about his kingdom, its reality, and what it means to be a citizen in his kingdom. I was saved on that wonderful day, but truth be told, I was pretty clueless as to what I had just stepped into. Indeed, I had just stepped into the palace of the king of kings, the kingdom of God. Nevertheless, for years, I remained stuck in the lobby. And you're going to see as I teach and share the content of the book, stuck in the lobby, will come back time and again. I was stuck in a lobby because I misunderstood the gospel of the kingdom. I couldn't, as a nine-year-old boy from a broken household, fathom what my newness of life as a kingdom citizen fully meant. And I know I'm not alone. Many, many believers have been walking with Christ for 5, 10, or even 30 plus years and still don't understand the fullness of God's kingdom purpose for man. Many even pastor megachurches. In fact, most don't even understand that they are operating in the kingdom right now. For most Christians, it's about being saved and going to heaven someday. It is all about the cross and the salvation attached to it. And it is about going to heaven when you die, right? And let's be frank, it's also about avoiding hell when we die as well. So growing up in the church, I was taught that after you're saved, it's all about letting others know about Jesus, the cross, and the message of salvation. We want them to get into the kingdom through the door. And the Bible tells us in John 10, 7 through 9, that Jesus is the door. We want to make sure they get to heaven someday 
when they die, just as we will. And sadly, for many, that's it. We teach about Jesus, his sacrifice, his shed blood, and the precious redemption attached to it. We teach about the gospel of salvation. For many churches, ministries, and denominations, that's what it's all about. Salvation and then heaven someday. It's about getting through that door and then helping others find the same door. But there's only one problem with this gospel. It's not the gospel, or gospel means good news, that Jesus taught. It's not. A careful reading of the Synoptic Gospels shows us that for Jesus, it was all about the gospel of the kingdom to be understood as the good news of the kingdom of God. So what ended up happening is that we created many evangelism uh, tools, courses, and programs that teach people about the gospel of salvation, but neglect the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus was so on fire about. Unfortunately, for centuries, we failed to teach the full gospel. As a result, we teach people how to get into the kingdom, but for most of them, they have no clue what to do once they're inside. Basically, they get saved by entering through the door, but then, the door is Jesus, the salvation that he offers, but then, like me, they get stuck in the lobby thinking this is the Christian life because they were taught very, very little about the kingdom of God. And then, since we are told to, quote-unquote, make disciples, we set out to teach these people the same thing, how to get people through the door. The problem is that you cannot teach effectively what you do not know and understand. I'm pretty sure that when Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations, that's in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, what he had in mind was more akin to getting the gospel of the kingdom preached and taught all over the world, which is, again, a reference to Matthew 24, 14, of which the gospel of salvation is only a fraction. And now I want to cover what the kingdom of God is not. And I've already covered this in a prior teaching that I did uh, maybe a year ago, maybe less. And I think I, it was titled that, What the Kingdom of God is Not. So I'm going to keep reading and get. we're going to go through this part as well. But if you want to maybe uh, a bigger coverage of this particular topic, you can go check out the broadcast I titled what the kingdom of God is not. So Miles Monroe said, when man fell from grace, he lost a kingdom, not a religion. He lost dominion over the earth. He did not lose heaven. Therefore, mankind's search is not for a religion or for heaven, but for his kingdom. Much of my effort in writing this book was aimed at providing the best possible explanation of what the kingdom of God is and how it operates. As I do this, you will notice throughout this book, the, the teaching that I'm giving you guys, that I also cover, while not as extensively, what the kingdom of God is not. This is important because many believers have become ensnared, as I had, into misconceptions about the kingdom of God. So while not giving exhaustive explanations for each point, here is what the kingdom of God is not. The kingdom of God is not heaven. Heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is the government of that place, extending its influence in the earth realm and within the, the heart of man. This is expressed whenever and wherever the king's will and authority are revered. Secondly, the kingdom of God is not church. Those who believe this are confusing religion with the kingdom. While there is kingdom influence wherever believers assemble, 
your local church is not to be mistaken for the kingdom of God. Thirdly, the kingdom of God is not only spiritual. While it is accessed in the spirit and its manifestation begins in the spirit, it doesn't necessarily stay there. The kingdom's influence can greatly transform the physical world as well. Its power can heal the sick, grow crops, raise the dead, stop the rain, etc. Its influx and power can even fix cars. And I have witnessed, I have witnessed such stories for myself where we prayed over our own car uh, when it was uh, not working properly, and the kingdom manifested and the car was fixed. Now, I wish I, I could say that I do that every time my car breaks down. It's just not the case. But I have witnessed that when we were really in faith and believing for a, a miracle concerning our car. It has happened. And here's a great quote by Mark Shaw. To insist that the kingdom of God is only spiritual is to promote the status quo. What a powerful quote. And finally, the kingdom of God is not words only. That is what I used to believe. I used to believe that if I memorized scripture, which are words, evangelized a lot, which are also words, and talked to others about Jesus, more words, I was living out the kingdom. While I was doing valuable kingdom work, I wasn't seeking the kingdom first, nor was I necessarily experiencing the kingdom's power in my life. Rightly did Jesus rebuke the Pharisees when he told them, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, he said. That's in John 5.39. So what is the kingdom of God then? What should we be seeking first? or doing. Paul gave us a clue in 1 Corinthians 4.20 when he wrote, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And the great reformer Martin Luther said it this way. He said, the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power, that is in works and practice. God loves the doers of the word in faith and love and not the mere hearers who, like parrots, have learned to utter certain expressions with readiness. And the 17th century preacher and writer John Bunyan, who you may know as the, the, the author of um, The Pilgrim's Progress, he said, Beware of resting in the word of the kingdom, without the spirit and power of the kingdom of that gospel. For the gospel coming in word only saves nobody. For the kingdom of God or the gospel, uh, for the kingdom of God or the gospel, where it comes to salvation is not in word, but in power. And I also like what A.W. Tozer said when he said, the kingdom of God is not in words. Words are only incidental and can never be fundamental. When evangelicalism ceased to emphasize fundamental meanings and began emphasizing fundamental words and shifted from meaning to words and from power to words, they began to go downhill. I'm going to have a little bit of water. I'm going to check the time. We're doing great. Okay, good. These signs shall follow those who believe. Now, you'll notice as I read from the book, uh, I have these subheads in the text, and I, I, I'm going to read those as well because I think they're, um, they're important. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist had been imprisoned, and he began having doubts concerning Jesus. He wasn't entirely sure Jesus was the Messiah anymore. And this interesting account is told to us in Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6. When John, who was in prison, I'm going to read the text now. When John, who was in prison, 
heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus was basically saying, here is the proof that the kingdom of God has come through me. Everywhere I go, miracles happen and the power of the kingdom is made manifest. And so, with great noise, signs, wonders, and excitement, Jesus was confirming that the kingdom of God had come. When Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, it was made manifest with power. Likewise, the disciples brought the visible manifestation of the power of the kingdom of God after Pentecost and throughout the book of Acts. They replicated the same miracles that Jesus did. So what about today? Some say that these signs are now past. They say that these signs were only to authenticate the church's kingdom call in its beginning. And yet, all over the world, faith-filled believers are still healing casting out demons, and even raising the dead. That's the power of the kingdom of God. And it's no surprise since Jesus himself told us in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly... It will, be, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And in John 14, 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So if the kingdom is still manifesting and expanding, and if its power is still available to believers, how come so many believers are not manifesting the signs and the power of the kingdom? It's because they simply do not believe nor understand the gospel of the kingdom and how the kingdom of God operates. While they are citizens of the kingdom, they have no clue about the rights, privileges, and laws that apply to their heavenly citizenship and its inherent authority and power. They are comparable to people who booked a stay at a five-star hotel and who are stuck in the lobby. Dr. Miles Monroe once compared the kingdom of God to a grand hotel. He also deplored the fact that most believers have entered the hotel upon salvation, but through ignorance of what the hotel has to offer, they remain in the lobby for the length of their stay. Likewise, most Christians have come through the door of the kingdom, which is Jesus Christ, but once in the kingdom, they have very little knowledge of how to operate in it and of everything that is made available, available to them. So think about it. If you were to go to a grand hotel and remain in the lobby for the length of your stay, what would you be missing out on? When a believer gets stuck in the lobby, that's the expression I'm using, stuck in the lobby of the Grand Kingdom Hotel, he misses out on a lot. So if you were stuck in the lobby, for example, of a real hotel, you'd be missing out on a comfy king-sized bed. You'd be missing out on room service or maybe fancy restaurants on site, a private bathroom, a giant screen TV in your room, the pool 
the sauna, a gym, and all the good amenities that a good grand hotel would offer. As a believer stuck in the lobby, here is what I thought I was on earth for. So this is how I, I, I saw things as someone who was stuck in the lobby. I thought that once saved, my purpose was just to evangelize. I thought my only hope was pretty much limited to going to heaven someday. I thought the glory of God could only be witnessed once in heaven. As a Christian, I thought that the only things, aside from salvation, differentiating me from others, were supposed to be my joy and my peace, which I often lacked. So the question I always had at the back of my mind, and I know there's some other people out there who might have had that same, those same questions or that same question in the back of their minds, it was, is this it? Is this all there is to my life as a believer? This faith, reading, my, reading this book daily, referring to the Bible, my walk with God, the drudgery of my day-to-day, is this the abundant life Jesus promised? Somehow, I knew I came up short. I had the nagging feeling I was missing out on something, something big. That was the Holy Spirit stirring me out of my religious slumber. He was wooing me towards more, towards the abundant life that Jesus promised. For the Christian, being stuck in the lobby of the kingdom doesn't mean he's not enjoying a big screen TV or the pool. No, it means he's missing out on God's miraculous kingdom provision. Seeing the kingdom of God influence the earth here and now. A stronger and more defined sense of purpose. Witnessing the supernatural so often that it becomes natural, being used mightily by the king, hearing from God regularly through many different channels, not just the scriptures, seeing the joy of others when they witness the kingdom's glory, exercising tremendous God-given authority, and so much more. This book, or this study that I'm doing on the book, is a call to believers everywhere to get out of the lobby and into the marvelous kingdom prepared for them since the foundation of the world. This kingdom is accessible here and now in all its glory through the Holy Spirit-led manifestation of the sons of God. Yes, this means you. The kingdom is within you and beckons to burst forth. You only need to gain understanding, believe, and step outside the lobby of dead religion and live out your faith through His Spirit. Ushering in the Kingdom When John the Baptist came in the desert preaching and teaching men to repent, his message was a simple one. Day in and day out, he shouted, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's from Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. The kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven has come near. Really? This was a new message. It was unlike anything the uh, Hebrew Israelites had, uh, had ever heard. It was so new, in fact, that the religious leaders of the time thought John might be the long-awaited Messiah. They sent a delegation to question him concerning his identity, message, and mission. He then confirmed, John then confirmed, that he was not the Messiah, and that the one coming after him, Jesus Christ, would baptize people with fire and the Holy Spirit. Shortly after this, Jesus began his ministry. The ministry of Jesus began while his cousin John was put in prison, just as Mark uh, uh, 
chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 tells us, where we read these words. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus kicked off his ministry exactly, exactly where John had left off his, by proclaiming the kingdom of God and urging people to repent. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, so when, from the time that John was put in prison, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. But what John couldn't do, Jesus came to fulfill. He brought the kingdom with him. And so it was that with great noise, signs, miracles, wonders, and excitement, Jesus was confirming that the kingdom of God had come. He brought it with him. It has been with us ever since. Near, accessible, powerful, and within. The kingdom is where the king reigns. This is a quote by Eric Lytle. I think it's Lytle, pronounced Lytle. He was an athlete and a missionary in, uh, I think he was, was he in Europe or America? I think he was in Europe, but I'm not sure. The kingdom is where the king reigns. If he is reigning in my heart, then the kingdom of heaven has come to me. I love that quote. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says something about the kingdom of God that is unique, shocking, and quite misunderstood. In Luke 17, 21, he says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you? What? What do you mean by that? Many commentators have been somewhat stumped by this verse in Luke. As a result, you will likely find a different interpretation and explanation for its meaning for every commentator you read. Furthermore, many hyper-spiritualizers and New Agers have taken the verse to validate their belief in their own inner godhood, or what some would call personal divinity. So this verse has become quite the popular quote in the esoteric New Age and New Thought community. Whether you believe the Greek was mistranslated, or whether you have taken the verse and made it into an esoteric gobbledygook, gobbledygook the fact remains that this verse is in our Bibles, and in red letters, no less. These are the very words of Jesus himself. I believe the verse should be taken at face value. The kingdom of God is within you. It has been said by many wise men that if you fail to go within, you will go without. Now, this is definitely in line with Jesus' statement about the kingdom. First, it is true that for the believer who has the Holy Spirit residing within, this makes all the sense in the world. The plenitude of the whole kingdom of God accompanies the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. And if the fullness of the kingdom accompanies the Spirit of God, what can be said of Him residing in the hearts of men? Simply this. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is within you indeed. Furthermore, Jesus did tell us that He came to accomplish the law and the prophets. Did He not? Well, that being the case, it was prophesied by Jeremiah what the kingdom of God would be like in the new covenant. In Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, we read, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember, I will remember no more. With the new covenant, God wanted to bring his kingdom and government into the hearts of man. This is what is so amazing about the kingdom of God. It emanates from him. It flows into his children and then back out into the earth realm through their influence and God-given authority. Wherever God is honored as king, there is the kingdom of God made manifest. The famous missionary doctor Albert Schweitzer said, there can be no kingdom of God in the world without the kingdom of God in our hearts. The kingdom, the long-awaited unseen realm. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is something that not only was expected, but long awaited. Joseph of Arimathea is described in the Bible as a man who was also waiting for the kingdom of God. That's in Mark 15, 43 and Luke 23, 51. He wasn't alone. Judea back then had been under Roman occupation since 63 B.C., by the time John the Baptist came on the scene in AD 29, preaching about the kingdom. That's close to a century. Furthermore, the Hebrew people had suffered all throughout their history of slavery, exile, oppression, and now they were under Roman occupation. So those who, like Joseph, held on to the hope of God's kingdom being made manifest, eagerly anticipated the day when God would finally bring freedom from the evil powers of the world. They desired to see his righteous kingdom established on the earth now with power and great glory. However, when the kingdom of God came near, they failed to recognize it for the most part. They expected it to come through politics and power. They expected a Messiah who would break the chains of physical oppression. And in some weird way, even after 2,000 years, we still fail to recognize it today. This explains why Christianity is plagued. Yes, I'm using the word plagued with over 250 denominations worldwide and growing. Jesus told the Pharisees in Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. Obviously, most of the Pharisees of the day didn't know what to make of this. They were befuddled. Likewise, in the non-canonical gospel of Thomas, and you're going to notice throughout the book, uh, I, I have some um, extra biblical texts that I refer to that are not considered canonical uh, at all, not part of the canon. Uh, I do this for... Two purposes, because I think the text is highly relevant, and also because I'm trying to shake you, shake the reader out of their, um, if they do have a religious spirit, I want them to be shaken out of it. And sometimes the best way to shake people is to offend them. And I, I've noticed that when I quote outside of scripture, some people get offended big time. Anyway, I'm not doing that to be mean. I'm not doing that to provoke. I'm doing that because I really think that this is a good quote. So in the non-canonical Gospel of Thomas, we read these interesting lines attributed to Jesus when he, was questions, when he was questioned about the kingdom by his disciples. And these words align with what he said in Luke 17, 21. His disciples said to him, when will the kingdom come? 
it will not come by watching for it. It will not be said, look here or look there. Rather, the Father's kingdom is spread out upon the earth and people don't see it. That's, this is from the Gospel of Thomas, uh, part 113. The kingdom always leaves a trail. Although the kingdom is not visible, visible to the naked eye, it always leaves a trail. During the time of Jesus' budding ministry, John the Baptist, from the confines of his jail cell, geez, I think I've, I've, I think I have misprinted. I'm not even reading from the right document. This is the problem. <laughs> You'll forgive me. This is, okay, I'll, I'll just find it now. That's what the problem is. I was wondering what's going on here. Yeah, I, I do repeat that. I, it's like I quoted from the wrong document. Anyway, I already told you about the the part where John is in his jail cell and he's uh, confused. He's like, is, is this the guy we should wait for? Should we wait for another, right? So, um, so Jesus gave him the confirmation by telling him, look, the blind see, the, the lame are, are able to walk now. The good news is being preached all over and miracles are happening. So in other words, Jesus was telling John that there was great confirmation of who he was and what he was bringing. He was bringing the manifestation of the kingdom. In turn, he charged his disciples to be trailblazers. Wherever they would set foot, they too would leave a trail. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's from Mark 16. I read that part earlier. So these are the signs that follow the preaching of the kingdom of God on the earth. Okay. So in certain circles, it has been referred to, the gospel of the kingdom has been referred to as the full gospel. It is complete. It lacks nothing. And it shows up with power, authentication, and confirmation through signs, wonders, and miracles. And it leaves no doubt for those who witness it. So this is still true today. So... When Jesus instructed his disciples, saying, seek first the kingdom of God, in Matthew 6.33, he was saying that the kingdom is not overtly obvious for all to find or know. I really wish I had the, the right... <laughs> that is so weird. I'm going to have to stop here. Because I'm already an hour in, first of all. That's number one. I didn't expect it to be so lengthy, but it is a 355-page book. There's a lot of content here. So I'll stop at Seek First the Kingdom, and I will make a note to find the right manuscript. Because guess what? When you're writing a book, sometimes you have uh, you save certain drafts, and you re-edit and you, you you have different drafts set up all about. That's why at, at some at some point you might have noticed I was kind of confused. I was like, there was something that didn't read too well. And I was like, how come is that that's not written well? It's not edited properly. And the book was edited properly. So anyway, I got the wrong draft that I copy pasted in my Google Docs. So apologies uh, if that didn't read super properly, but I'll know where to continue for next time. Uh, so this will be, I guess we'll call it, there's still quite a bit to read, but we'll continue the, uh, the introduction in the, the next, uh, next time I, I go on, it's been an hour. So I think it's really uh, good that we, uh, I shared all this with you guys tonight. So I'll I know where to go. I know where to continue for next time. So apologies again. Uh, I seem to have copy pasted the wrong unfinal manuscript doesn't really matter uh it was still very good content even though it wasn't properly properly edited so i will leave it at that for now i hope this has blessed you hey if it has blessed you 
uh, and you think you know people who need to hear the message uh, of kingdom fundamentals. They need to know more about the kingdom of God. Be sure to share it. Sharing is caring. And I will see you next week. God be blessed and thrive on.